This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. Today I have Crystal K on the show. Um, Crystal, I've seen you in meetings. How long have you been clean now? Eight years in May. Eight years? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know what's so funny is that probably when you moved down here, you already clean a while, right? Yeah. So I yeah. just like never knew how long you had. It was a struggle. Mm-hmm. It was a struggle. I had like five and a half when I came. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Welcome to Broward. Thanks. Oh, yeah, it's been great. <laughs> you like Broward? I like everything except the dating scene in oh Broward. Oh, my God. Come yeah, on. It's trash. That's because you just got a relationship. Uh, got out of a relationship. Were you in one? <laughs> I've been in a couple. Not really, uh-huh. like, long-term, just lessons along the way. You, you think know? it's Broward? I think it's Broward. Yeah. Wow. It's the yeah. zip code. It is a zip. It's you not, know, it's funny not though. Not you. It's the zip code. I can't even really blame Broward because like some of them weren't even from here, mm. you know? So it's me. I'm there the problem. Go. You're the problem. We figured it out on the podcast. That was fast. Right. I don't know. I have a friend who moved to Colorado because I guess uh, Colorado has like 70% more men than women. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And she had, like, a guy that she wanted to meet out there, but mm. she was, like, the dating pool is supposed to be so much better. And better, yeah. Well, yeah. I date both, so the dating pool is a little more open oh, wow. for me. Oh, wow. So you're, yeah. you're into girls, too? I was actually with a girl for a girl? six years before I came down here. Oh, wow. Yeah. The last one was a girl. Yeah, so you got best of both worlds. I do. I do. I think it's time to just stick with the men, though, stick with to the be men. honest. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if a relationship doesn't last forever, it doesn't mean that it was worthless. Yeah. It's not your girl. It's just your turn. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> but you learn a lot and you have a lot of fun in a relationship. And just because, like, it didn't last forever doesn't mean it was, like, a waste of time. Yeah, it was. As long as it's not, like, toxic. And, I mean, even no. then you learn a lot. So as long it... as it was, like, pretty normal. Yeah, it wasn't toxic. It was actually my best friend this mm. whole past year, you know. And... Your BFF? Yeah, one thing, we had like dated a little bit Mm -hmm. like a couple years ago, and then one thing led to another. We were just with each other a lot, kind of getting over other people. Gotcha. You know, and it just, it happened organically, and then... The rebound. 
I guess, you know, and it was intense. It was yeah. very intense, but there was already chemistry there. But, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes chemistry and compatibility aren't necessarily the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so it, it kind of ended. It didn't end very well. She wasn't ready, mm. you know, and I have to respect that. So how long ago day four? Solid month. Okay. But we have been closed for like wow. a year and a half. So it was hard. I bet that month was pretty fire, though. It was fire. It was fire. I can't you lie. You got to see the silver lining. I know. It was, it was a great experience, and I knew it was going to blow up in flames, and so mm -hmm. I'm literally just like, let's enjoy it. Ride this out while you can. My uh, homegirl was telling me to watch the Pam and Tommy documentary. Whatever. I'm not like a Pam Anderson fan, but I was like, whatever, I'll watch yeah. it. And I didn't know. They got married four days after knowing each other. Whatever. Like, they had a kid, and they were together. Mm -hmm. And till today, like, he ended up beating her and like went to jail and oh like they God. they like split up and even till today she's like it was still the best yeah. love and yeah. like it was so like extreme mm -hmm. and crazy mm -hmm. and she still like loved it you know i know and it's like even though it didn't last forever like the pam and tommy love like whatever they had for a while right like, it's epic was like yeah it's like yeah. really epic i know i wouldn't change it it's crazy that's cool yeah I think that some relationships last a super long time mm -hmm. and they're not great. And I think some might have been like a year or two years or mm -hmm. one month and do that month was amazing or that right. year was incredible. And then like it just, yeah. at least you didn't stay in an expired relationship. Yes, which is what I did for six years with the, the mm -hmm. last one, you know. And I can definitely say it was way more romantic and passionate mm -hmm. than the six years that I was in. So yeah. like I'll take it, yeah. you know, whatever. Welcome back to Broward County yeah. Dating Pool. Yeah. <laughs> I'd recommend staying single for a while. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what time it is. We gotta we yeah. gotta figure out why my picker is broken, mm. you know? If it wasn't crazy toxic, I don't know if it's like broken, you know. Maybe, Maybe it just wasn't the right thing. I guess I mean at the same time so many people end up like don't do don't have long lasting relationships no. that are successful in a lot of other things. Well the the situation before her was a little similar. Mm -hmm. You know, like I keep getting in situations with people who are unavailable, mm -hmm. technically, like emotionally unavailable, yeah. you know, and then the situation before him was, you know, the first guy that I had been with since being out of that six year relationship and mm -hmm. he died. Oh, wow. Of overdose? Mm -hmm. Was he new, like in recovery? No, 20 years in and out. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was a friend of mine for seven years. His mm -hmm. name was Chris B. It was, it was rough. A couple mm -hmm. months after we stopped talking, he was in Daytona. That I think I still probably haven't completely healed from that. Mm -hmm. So I get into situations that I already know the outcome to, you know? Yeah, or like situations that, uh, like for me, like I, I also like dating someone who's not like exactly looking for something long term right. because I'm so like not into commitment. Like I don't mm -hmm. want anything. Like I feel trapped. Like we're talking like on a yeah. boat. Like I don't like yeah. going on boats because I don't like to feel trapped. <laughs> I don't want like something super serious with like a label. I have relationships that last six months, seven months, eight months, a year. When it ends, like it, it might not end always like amazing and whatever, but sometimes they do. Sometimes yeah. they end with like good communication and yeah. like, hey, look, you want something more. I want something like not so serious, whatever. It's not yeah. going to work out. And I still like amazing relationship. Great yeah. time. Had a blast. Love that girl. Yeah. <sighs> Till they show the crazy, right? It's not always like that. No? No. So you have girls that just walk away like, okay, we're done. Um, I've been in relationships with girls that were like, dude, he didn't lie to me. He mm. told me up front he didn't want nothing serious. Mm. Everybody told me whatever. And she like chose to be like, whatever. I've dated other people. I want to date you. Mm -hmm. At the end of a year or six months or whatever, 
sometimes they'll just say like, you know, I want something more. Right. You know, a lot of people do want something long term. The last couple of girls that I've been with, like seriously, mm-hmm. aren't like resentful or angry at me. Like we're still <laughs> cool. We still talk, whatever. They're yeah. just like, that's just Brian, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then what is it? But like sometimes it, but like it, sometimes it does end kind of toxic and yeah. crazy, but only probably 20%, 10% of the time. Okay. I would probably, it would probably end crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> <You're> crazy? <laughs> yeah. But I own my crazy, you know? It depends on the kind of crazy you like. That's what they say. Sometimes I even start the relationship with like, if we broke up, what would you act like? <laughs> <laughs> At least you know. I just need to know like, <laughs> like how crazy can Right. You get? Is it safe to come to my house? Yeah, you know. I never had no one like show up at my house or anything. I don't know. Like I was talking to someone the other day. Like they're a long-term relationship person, mm-hmm. you know. And when their relationships don't last long, they feel like a failure. Mm, and it's that. like, I've been with some women until today. I'm like, man, that girl is incredible. Like, that girl is so dope. Like, I had Aww. so much fun with her. She was so cool. Yeah. Nothing bad to say about her. Yeah. She just knows what she wants. I know what I want. You yeah. Know? And it didn't work out between us. And like, if she called me right now and needed something, I would, you know, be there. So have you ever had someone? I feel like I'm interviewing you now. Have you ever had a serious relationship where mm-hmm. you didn't feel yeah. trapped and were okay with commitment? Yeah, I did when I was younger. I just didn't have a lot of experience with relationships, and okay. I had no idea how to be in one. Yeah. I think I was 19. This girl's like 26. <laughs> but I was like in love. And like, did she break your heart? That's why. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No more commitment no after more that. No more commitment. But I think <laughs> that even prior to that, that I just feel like some people will never feel comfortable in an open relationship. Like, mm-hmm. the idea of an open relationship is just, like, to them, like, gives them the heebie-jeebies. They're yeah. just like, no way. Like, what? You got me fucked up, you know? Yeah. And, like, for me, like, it just feels natural to me. Yeah. An open know? relationship? Like, an open relationship or, like, a, a yeah. relationship that's not, like, has walls and ceilings and yes. shit, you know? It's yes. like Smothering. But yeah. does open relationship mean more than one person? I mean, it could be, you know, uh, open relationship is, like, the, the beginning of, of what it could be. Okay. It's like recovery. Like you have like being clean and then you have like all these different fellowships Kratom. and whatever. You have Kratom, <laughs> you have like CBD or whatever. So like if it's open, it, it could mean multiple people. Like you both get to sleep with whoever yeah. or, or whatever. Or it could just mean that there's not like a strict label on it. Right. This is like what people are doing nowadays. Mm-hmm. And some people are a little more old school. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think, judge like, oh, now everyone wants to be single and no one wants to have a family. And I don't think like it's good or bad. It's like there was a lot of bad things with people who stayed in relationships Mm -hmm. in the 1950s where women got beat. And then if they left their husband, they were considered a battered woman and no one wanted to be with them and it trapped women, didn't empower them. And then like the pendulum swings and now you have like women empowerment and like they want a woman. They want a woman (laughs) or or they just want to be like single or or they don't want to feel trapped either. Right. Because at the same time, like men have used money and power to control women for centuries, you know, and a lot of scenarios like there are women that make just as much as men or are police officers and are doing just these other jobs that back in the day were considered taboo. Right. And I think that even a lot of women are wanting to be in a relationship where the man doesn't have all the power. Mm. Not to say that like a man shouldn't be like a man and like pay for dinner. You right. know what I mean? Right. I'm not talking about that. You know yeah. what I mean? Just so no one gets it fucked up. Right. Apparently that's my pattern is I get into situations where I end up being the more dominant one. That's another thing about commitment too. I don't necessarily want, I would say I want commitment, but I don't want control. Mm. And so what does that look like in a committed like, relationship? You don't want to be in control. You don't want them to control you. I don't you. want to be controlled. Yeah. You know, but that's where the trust piece comes in, mm-hmm. right? Like, let me be free, but love me along the way. Mm-hmm. And I'll stay, I'll stay committed. 
I'm not one to cheat. I'm not mm-hmm. one to wonder, but also like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, I'm the same way. I hate, I hate being with someone that's like trying to clock me. Like, yes. like if I get text messages, like, where are you? Mm-hmm. And they don't sound like curious. They sound like controlling. Yes. Turn I'm off. out of there. I don't know. I'm, I'm like a cat. Like, yeah. I'm like, if you try to pet me, I'll like go away. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be controlled. I don't want like any type of whatever. And my dad's the same way. Like growing up, my dad was exactly like that. Yeah. My dad's born a day before me. Oh. So my dad's November 8th. I'm November 9th. Nice. So growing up, like I thought my dad was so off the chain. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, damn, me and him are so similar. Yeah. You cannot tell my dad anything. No? No. I love that. It's like one of my worst qualities. <laughs> My dad yeah. would be, there was times we'd be like going to Disney World and he'd like make a wrong turn. He'll just not admit it. He'll just keep he did going. On purpose. He, he don't want to go. Yeah. He don't want to <laughs> hear it. He went the right way. Right. The map's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So where are you from? I'm from the mountains in North Carolina. I was originally born in Athens, Georgia. Okay. Yep. I always say my story kind of started before I was born. My mom got pregnant with me with someone that was not ready to be a father. She was 21. I think he was 17. Mm-hmm. It was in Charlotte. They were, you know, just, she was a little bit of a uh, a rebel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was, for sure. So she ran away to Georgia and met this man who was Superman. You know, he adopted me at a young age. And we moved to North Carolina, right outside of Cherokee. They bought 183 acres of mountain property. Oh, wow, that's And then Natahala Gorge. Yeah. So my dad... I was in like fourth grade at the third grade at the time. And my Mm -hmm. dad made like a subdivision. You know, he had home sites, rental cabins, all this stuff. Like I I was homeschooled fourth and fifth grade year. Like I had no social skills because like I would talk to the trees, you know, like I I grew up on the side of a mountain. It was, it was beautiful, you know, looking back and remembering those days. And like my life was, was pretty normal, you know, quote unquote, what you would call it, you know, then like middle school and high school kind of come into play. And in like 10th grade, things kind of just started going south with my parents. Mm-hmm. And my mom started showing signs of, you know, obviously being one of us. And there was a lot of drinking, a lot of um, prescription medication that came but into play. But your dad didn't use? No. Were you in touch at all with your biological dad? I didn't meet him until I was 14. Okay. And he's an alcoholic as well. Never really a connection there. Mm-hmm. My parents split when I was 15. My mom kind of went off the deep end. My dad had built her a house closer to town. Um, at this point, and I um, decided to live with her because there was like no rules. Mm-hmm. You know, she just kind of partied with all she of us. She was a cool mom. Yeah, you know, I guess as cool as <laughs> you can be. Yeah. My 16th birthday, I kept trying to call my dad to remind him that it was my birthday. Mm-hmm. He didn't answer the phone. I'm 33 years old, and he still hasn't. Wow. Yeah, I got daddy issues. Mm-hmm. And then my mom became physically abusive and decided that she was going to move me to Los Angeles, California to be famous. I played piano and sang growing up. Really? Yeah. She was like trying to get you to be famous. Yeah, stage mom all the way. And so I'm like 16, 17 years old, move out to you Los Angeles. like a Hillary Duff. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like you could be. Like you could be one of those TV right? shows. Right? You know, yeah. one of those upcoming. Like the Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved into this apartment complex where like all these upcoming people were, you really? know, Sean Kingston lived there at the time when mm-hmm. Beautiful Girls was coming out. This was in like 2007. I was exposed to like a celebrity lifestyle mm-hmm. at a very young age. And my mom was just nowhere to be found. She would leave me with, you know, 
just these random producers and managers and stuff that would, you know, promise to make me famous. I had to learn how to protect myself at a young age, along with, you know, fighting her every other weekend Mm -hmm. when she was around to come check on her product. And where was your dad? He was still back in North Carolina. Your stepdad. Yeah, my dad that raised me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was in North Carolina, but at this time, like, she would try to make me call him, Mm -hmm. right? And ask for, you know, because he wouldn't speak to her. He had wanted nothing to do with her. And she would try to get me to call him and, you know, ask for alimony or, you know, whatever the case may Mm -hmm. be. He would just be like, stop calling me and asking me for things. But he didn't know that she was making me. She was making me. And if I didn't, I was grounded. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was a kid. I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was my dad was gone. And I remember the day that she told me that they were going to, that they were getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. I turned my emotions off. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that that's a lot of, a lot of us can relate to that at some point in our life is like learning how to disassociate shut and yeah. shut down. And I remember telling myself, it's I'm almost not- like the first time we use. Yes. Cause like, I, I think about that too. It's like, I remember the first time, like I felt something like embarrassment, mm-hmm. humiliation or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being able to just shut down. That was the first time I did it. You know, mm-hmm. I told myself I was never going to cry again. And so then being in LA, it was a lot. You know, I was partying with rock stars. I lived with um, the guitarist of Yellow Card for a little while. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Ben Harper. I was 17 years old. What? Yeah. And so I remember there was one evening. I just want to say it's so crazy because like, I had seen you in meetings forever mm-hmm. for like years. And I just like never heard you speak. Never. Yeah, crazy. I know. I don't think you have heard me speak yet. Never heard you? you speak. I heard you like share a couple of times. <laughs> Burning it. desires. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> So there was one night my mom came over to the house that I was at and that she had left me at. Wait, was the yellow card guys nice? Oh, yeah. Okay. Those are my but We just ate taquitos all day and like played Guitar Hero. Okay. You know what I mean? Like we just were just... Just want to make sure. It was like... Because <laughs> no, I listened to them, so I don't want to, you know, I'll stop Mm-mm. listening to them. They no, were up. they were great. They okay, took good cool. care of me. You know, thank God. So there was one night that my mom came over to check on her products, mm-hmm. right? And That's how you felt growing up. That, I mean, that's basically what I was. No dad and a mom that seen me as like I was, I mean, took it out. Yeah, yeah, you know, I did. I did modeling, I did singing, and all this stuff. And so it was. I was like this item of mm-hmm. way to make money, and I didn't really know at the time. But it's it's it was soliciting, and I didn't really understand that until I got into step work. Mm-hmm. But she came over, and I remember going through her purse, right? And I'd already been drinking at this point. I alcohol and me did not mix well, but I did it anyways. I always get violent when I drink. But I go into her purse and I see this bottle, and it says "Take for Anxiety." The bottle said that? The bottle said that. This is like 2007. Oh, I, I thought, I'm thinking okay, the alcohol, alcohol bottle. No, no. I was like, what type of alcohol is that? That shit No, I was already drinking that <laughs> night and I go into her purse. Okay, person. so it's a pill bottle. Yes, pill bottle that says okay, take for like anxiety. Uh, Yep. Mm-hmm. And I take two, of course. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this feels great. And so I like take a bunch of them. I like steal wow. them, right? The next day I wake up and I'm like, well, that felt good. I remember people in high school busting these up and put them up up their nose. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try that. And so I figured out how to do it. And it was like the gates of heaven open. That's what I wanted Mm -hmm. to do for the rest of my life. And I remembered that moment when I had shut off and it was the same thing. But I could do it on my own. Whenever, yeah. Whenever, you know, it wasn't as hard. That's what started my addiction. And it was off to the races from there. This is in L.A.? In L.A. So I stayed there for a couple years and I got tired of it and decided to go back and um, graduate my 12th grade year with my class that I had went to school with in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, my 11th grade year was homeschooled and she just wrote in all the answers for me. I did, took Spanish uh-huh. one and didn't even know shit. There you go. <laughs> you know? I think you're not alone there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so 12th grade, I go back and I meet a boy. It was actually a revenge thing, if you want to be honest and get real dirty about it. My boyfriend at the time when I was in L.A. slept with my best friend. So you slept with his best friend? So I slept with her boyfriend that she cheated on, and then I took her brother's virginity. Wow. Because that's how spiteful I am. Mm -hmm. Some shit I've had to work on throughout the years. So I ended up staying with the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Your best friend's boyfriend at the time. Best friend's boyfriend at the time. Okay. Yep. And so me and this boy fall in love. And he liked to smoke a lot of weed. Mm -hmm. And being the good analytical con artist that I was, I was like, well, let's sell it if you're going to mm -hmm. smoke it. And so for three years, we sold it. We sold a lot of it. We got involved with some people who we had no business getting involved with from other countries and stuff. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. We did that, you know, and I was, I was a drug dealer for a while. And then... And what's going on with you and your mom at this time? You, nothing. Have you given up on um, fame? Yeah, I gave up on that. I was just mm -hmm. like, fuck this. Mm -hmm. um, my mom ran herself into a tree going 80 miles an hour when I was 19. And she's still handicapped from it and still Jesus. drinking. Jesus, really? Mm -hmm. There's no relationship there. Oh my I God. try, but I don't know. It's one of those. She's like in a wheelchair? No, she has metal all throughout her body. Mm -hmm. um, she can walk and stuff. She's pretty handicapped, you know, in, mm -hmm. in a lot of different areas. When they found her, her head was pinned in between the passenger seat door and the seat, like the, the seat. seat and the door, oh my you know, God. and she had brain dead. She was in ICU, like unconscious for three months. This is when you're 14? When I was 19. 19. Yep. Right after I came back from LA, mm -hmm. it was, no, it was right after I graduated. And so I went and visited her in the hospital and I, I kind of grieved her. So because the, the person that she was. It's never the same. Never the same, you know, and even before that, like she wasn't the mom that I remember growing up. Mm-hmm. I was I actually had to be emancipated from her at 17 years old. I had to call social services on her. And I went and stayed with this boy for a well, while. I stayed with a friend and then mm -hmm. I stayed with this boy because she was just abusive. And then she gets into the car accident. So I was just, I've been on my own for a long time. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're selling weed. Selling weed. Trapping. Trapping. One of my biggest addictions, right, was fighting. You know, oh, really? I was a scrapper. <laughs> like the guys that I like ran with mm -hmm. a lot of the times. They would send me to go collect, mm -hmm. you know, because I was just, I was nasty, just brutal, you know, and like, I was not a big girl, but I, just, I would end up in situations, you know, with people bigger than me. And I was, mm -hmm. just, I don't know what it was. I think because I fought my mom for so long, I was just full of rage and I was so hurt in so many areas. And I, I was just like waiting on my dad to come back and, you know, save me, but no one ever came. And so I just, I just wanted everyone else to feel the same kind of pain that I was. And so I fought, I fought all the time. I was arrested. I was in jail probably every other month for fighting. Yeah, it was not good. It was, that was a great ninth step, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so then after three years of that, when I was 20 years old, I got pregnant with the same guy. You think you're going to get revenge on someone, and here I am mm. raising the, the baby. The baby. <laughs> Two weeks before my daughter was born, the feds came. Feds, ATF, FBI, DEA, all of them came in my house. He wasn't there. We had gotten into an argument the night before. Your boyfriend wasn't there. But they were looking for him. Mm -hmm. They um they rounded up five people that same day that were all connected and had him a court date set up that day and everything. Finally, I get him on the phone. He's They found him, obviously. And I get him on the phone, and he's like, I got to get comfortable. I'm not going anywhere. And so it was a conspiracy charge for... Mm -hmm a lot of um, marijuana throughout a, a time period. You know what I mean? And so here I am raising a baby all alone. 
Thank God you didn't get wrapped up in it. That's I know. Crazy. I know. I think that they kept me out of that because I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God. But there just wasn't a whole lot of evidence on my part. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they they tried, you know, like they tried to um, bring me into it. Um, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't let him. He took the rap for everything. One of us had to raise the kid. Mm-hmm. So he was in there for a little over two years. I had a C-section with my kid and they put me on pain pills and that was it. That's how you got hooked on pain pills? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, here I am, no mom, no dad, nobody. Mm-hmm. The man of my, you know, love of my life just gets taken away two weeks before our child is born. All I wanted to do was just sleep. And I had this little baby here that I knew no, I didn't know what to do with mm-hmm. it. It was rough. When she was probably close to one, I finally decided to get some help. And I went to treatment. I went to treatment a couple times. And you're abusing painkillers? Yeah. And it had gotten pretty bad at that point. Thankfully, his mom was around to kind of help me mm-hmm. with the baby. If I knew I was about to like go on a bad run, I would make sure that she, she was, was not with me. Mm-hmm. You know, went to treatment twice in Georgia. I didn't get on the needle until after that. What were those first two stints in treatment like? I was in treatment the first time for like six months. It was an all-women's program. Um, Court-ordered or voluntary? Voluntary. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know how you get that first moment of like, oh, God, like maybe I need to mm-hmm. take a look at this. Like someone kind of tells you maybe you have a problem. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, I'll go figure it out. I didn't have like a job, a car, nothing. I was just bouncing from like one Mm -hmm. person to another with this baby, you know, lost completely. Mm -hmm. I went into this six month program and it was, it was torture, you know, but it it kept me isolated enough to like figure out, okay, here I am. Maybe I have a problem. I have some trauma that I need to work through. They had us doing step work in there (laughs) without a sponsor. Mm -hmm. Right. And I did one, two and three. And I took a look at the four step. literally left that night and went and got drunk, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I went, you know, back out on a run and then went back to the same place, but it was for like six weeks, right? It was a little more Mm -hmm. like intensive, quick. I didn't have my kid that time. And then I started going to um, meetings in Georgia. And I was one of those people who got mixed up with the people in the rooms that were not Mm -hmm. clean, you know, and I had got an apartment at this point and my apartment was the flop house. There you go. You know? So I would imagine those people introduced you to shooting up. Mm-hmm. And I, how old are you at this time? I was twenty three ish. Okay. I was one of those people at the time. I was like, I'm in my early twenties. I'm gonna drink alcohol, you know. <laughs> and that's so funny, right? I was like, alcohol is not a drug, mind mm-hmm. you. I picked up a ninety day key tag, wasted, mm-hmm. right? And the, all the people in the meeting, they were like, "You're drunk," and I'm like, "This is." NA, you know, this mm-hmm. is like a 12 step fellowship that's just about drugs. drugs. And they were like, no, mm-hmm. that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. So just delusional, you know, and not ready to give up something. Welcome to the Genesis House powered by the United Recovery Project, located in sunny South Florida. We offer drug and alcohol addiction treatment, as well as a major focus on dual diagnosis. Our addiction therapy programs include behavioral therapy. 12-step facilitation, psychotherapy, life skills training, and more. At our facility, you can expect a low client-to-staff ratio, daily group therapy, weekly one-on-one therapy sessions, and luxury amenities such as volleyball, basketball, pool, chiropractor, personal trainer, yoga, massage therapy, and more. Contact the United Recovery Project today and let's create a better tomorrow. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and I know that's like so hard for people. I don't know. Like I struggled with it for sure, but like not much. Like I just was like, I mean, my life can't get worse. Like, yeah. So I don't know. Like the not drinking part was just kind of like, I didn't like to drink anyways. No, I wasn't. I've only been drunk like five times in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Good. It took too long. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like alcohol just was never my thing. When I used to like look at kids in high school like drinking beer, I was just like, yeah. I like smoking crack and snorting oxycodone. I know. You Take know? me so, out like, quickly. I don't know. Like there was nothing about drinking at that age that like did it for me. So when it was like, you know, you can't drink, I was like, well, I don't really like drinking anyways. Yeah. But there was that thought of like, I want to be normal though. Yeah. I want to be able to have a drink. Right. I want to get married and be able to have a drink. I want to like be able to toast on New Year's. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, what are we going to do? Like toast with like fucking apple juice. Like, dude, I've gone to weddings and there we are toasting with apple juice. Yeah. You know, New Year's toasting with apple juice. Yeah. And it's fire. <laughs> like, it is. It like, is. Like it's cool. You know, I, I went to uh, this vacation trip to like the vineyards to go see like Ooh. all this shit like in California. And in my mind, I'm like, Bitch, I don't drink. Like, why the fuck would I want to go here? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You think I want to go to a wine vineyard? And I was, like, making a joke, like, you have any grape juice? And, dude, they had the best grape juice ever. I, like, went home and ordered, like, four bottles. It was so good. Other people drinking wine, but I was just, like, let me get some more grape juice. It right. was, like, that good. Yeah. yeah, it was the best grape like the juice I've ever had. Like the stuff they give you at church. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> this was, like, high-end grape juice. Though. Yes, the special yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. So I I just didn't think the alcohol was a problem. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I have two DUIs. Okay. So I'm not an alcoholic. It might be a problem. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, I, I think looking back now and also with other experiences, alcohol is like a slow killer. Oh, a thousand percent. You yeah. know, you could maintain on it mm-hmm. for a long time. Unfortunately, if you shoot. That's why people who go to treatment for alcohol are usually like in their mid-40s. Mm-hmm. You don't really see 20-year-olds right. in treatment. Because, for, and it takes a long time for it to get in the way of your life. It's so socially acceptable, mm-hmm. especially down here. Yeah. You know, it's a party scene. It takes a long time before it actually really starts to destroy your body, mm-hmm. you know, or your life. You know, you shoot heroin, you overdose. Obviously, you need to take a look at that. Yeah. You can't shoot heroin like a lady, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like so obvious. Yeah. Like instantly. Yeah. So obvious. So, yeah, finally, I um, was drunk one night Mm -hmm. and was hanging around all these people who were doing it, and I did it, and it didn't take me long to figure out that I had a problem Mm -hmm. that was pretty serious. I ran away again from Georgia to, I ended up in Greenville, South Carolina with my daughter's father's mom, the grandmother, right? Mm -hmm. It was a really bad run. I was up for like seven days seeing demons. I don't know how I even ended up on what I was on, (laughs) you know? And then I remember waking up. The grandmother had went and gotten my baby daddy. He was out of prison at this point, and it, it just didn't work, you know, to keep things super simple. There's too much trauma there, mm-hmm. and I was just a mess. She went and picked him up and brought him into the house to, like, try to control me. Mm-hmm. And they walk in, and the house is just destroyed. I literally flipped this whole house. Some random dude was there. They were like, where is your your money? And I'm like, what are you talking about? My my money? Like, why do you need my money? And they were like, your tax. I just got my tax money, apparently. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking down. Mind you, it's, it's wintertime. There's snow outside. And I'm burnt from head to toe. 
covered in like a sunburn, Mm -hmm. it seemed like. I don't know if I had an allergic reaction to whatever I was doing, but I was just like, my skin was almost blistered. It was the craziest Mm -hmm. thing ever. And at that point I was like, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I remember trying to get into the bathtub just screaming because my skin was just completely fried. It was the craziest thing ever. Yeah. And so I remembered someone had told me about, they told me about a place in Daytona Beach Mm -hmm. called Avenues 12. I just, I left everything. I left my kid with my grandmother. I didn't own anything. I owned a suitcase and some clothes, you know, like we all do. Mm -hmm. And I went there. It's a treatment center? It's a halfway. Okay. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you hear about it? A friend. A friend from Georgia told me about this place in Daytona. Mm -hmm. It's the craziest synchronicity. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Thank God he did, though. So I go down there, and I'm like, I'm I'm done with men. I'm done with drugs. I'm done with everything. I'm just going to focus on myself, right? Mm -hmm. And at this point, I'd never been with a woman. And in walks this lesbian in Halfway who's, like, you know, covered in tats, short hair, looking like Ruby Rose. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, it's not a guy. You know, <laughs> so that whole thing started with like a manipulation. Yeah, manipulating myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I said no men. No men. There you yeah. go. I built a relationship in halfway with this woman, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously secrets keep us sick. And we both ended up going out. She went out, and I followed because I'm a ride or die. Mm-hmm. You know, of course. Yeah. So I remember that run was very quick, and this was the last time that I used. And I remember sitting on the side of this. Now, were you plugged into like the 12-step program at this time? Like you bought in? I did. What was it that made you like believe in the program? Because so many people like go to meetings and they're like, oh, it's not for me. Or like, oh, I don't really believe in it. Or it seems like hocus pocus right. or culty. I can't explain the feeling, but I remember walking in and just feeling like home. These people, I had been to meetings before. I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily connect with the fellowship, but the language, mm-hmm. right? The things that they were saying, how someone literally had shared my story, you know, maybe not to a T, mm-hmm. but someone in there experienced the, the same feelings that I did. And I was like, maybe I'm in the right place. And so I just kept in, ended up back there, mm-hmm. you know, my last run, I'm sitting across the halfway house that I just got kicked out of at this hotel. I had nothing, you know, I had nothing. I'm now I'm gay. <laughs> right. And which is a big no, no, where mm-hmm. I come from, no kid, no job, no nothing. And I'm using again, you know, against my will. I didn't even want to be using, Mm -hmm. you know, but I was more addicted to love, I guess. And so I was on sitting there waiting on the bus to come by because I was going to run out in front of it. I had made the decision that I was just going to kill myself and my daughter was better off without me. And the bus didn't come. And so I made a commitment to myself that I was going to go back and I was going to listen to every suggestion that everyone told me. And I did. And I have for a while. The girl ended up going to a different halfway, and we shared a, the same clean date. And we stayed together. I know. It's crazy. For how long? Like five and a half years. Wow. <laughs> With Ruby Rose. Yeah, I know. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not say, recommended. Not recommended. Uh-huh. No, don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. It's like the one half mm-hmm. 0.01%. I just remember like having this level of surrender that I'd never had before. You know, a moment of clarity that like was spiritual mm-hmm. for me. I'd had many, many bottoms you know, where people would say, you just need to surrender. I'm like, I don't understand what that means. And someone explained it to me one day in a way that I understood I had had it finally to the point where I'm going to kill myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where it goes for me. And so I just hit the ground running. And how has the last 
Well, what was like the first five years like? So the first five years were, I was in this relationship. And so there was that foundation, you know, like the emotional stability. Mm -hmm. They say, don't get into a relationship your first year clean. However, looking back and seeing how single Crystal has been these past couple years, Mm -hmm. that shit kept me grounded. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think I would have stayed clean if it wasn't for that. That's just how. So when you're single, you feel... I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Yes. I've done a lot of work this past year on that, though, especially this past month. Mm -hmm. I had no license. You know, I had two DUIs. You know, I had to start from the bottom and then here I get my kid back. Mm -hmm. Right. I was like, I'm not going to be one of those people that like think that you have all the odds against you and you can't do it. Right. I was riding the Votran to drop my kid at school, Mm -hmm. go to college and go to work. So when I I, I put myself through college for after like year one. Oh, yeah, you told me you're a biology major? Marine biology now. What got yep. you to major in that? So I was in the medical field for a while. My, at three years, I went and um, got my surgical tech certification. I worked mm-hmm. in the hospital in the OR. And I remember people telling me, like, you got to find That's your really purpose. Cool. Yeah. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Surgeons are like. They're mean. They're so mean. They're some of the worst people I've ever <laughs> met. You know, not all of them, mm-hmm. obviously. But, like, I've had scalpels thrown at my hands. And I'm sitting there like. Wow. I've stabbed bitches in the face. Nine months pregnant. Like, don't <laughs> throw stuff like that at me. Wow. <laughs> that should be the title of the podcast. I know, right? <laughs> Stabbing bitches nine months pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually did do that. I sat in jail nine months pregnant. Really? Mm-hmm. For stabbing someone in the face? I stabbed somebody in the face over $90. There you go. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. They lived to tell? They did. They did. <laughs> I think they, like, burnt someone's house down a couple weeks after that. Okay. So I got out of it. There you go. You know? You're like, yeah, that bitch was crazy. I know, I know. Thankfully, it was yeah. Wow. Yeah. I went in her house. Me and a couple people. You are crazy. I'm a little crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you. But I own the crazy. Okay. I own the crazy. There you go. So I go to school to be a surgical tech. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, this is not my purpose. Right. And then I go to SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this, I love the dolphins. This is oh. not okay, though. All oh, it makes these, you sad. Yes. All okay. the, I'm like, I'm a Pisces. Right. So I'm like, I'm, I'm like, they're all looking at me like, hell, wow. <laughs> you know. Okay. So you go from stabbing people in the face. Mm-hmm. To go into SeaWorld to try to save the dolphins. I want to save the whales. There you yeah. go. You want to save the whales. I don't know. I don't go. like people. Okay. You know, I want to, I like animals. There you go. <laughs> I'm not going to stab them. I'll stab the people over the animals. There you go. So I was just like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm supposed to be involved in like helping the ocean. So you broke in and freed them? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. We're getting there. I'm, I'm still in the process. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I changed my whole life again. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I've done it before. I'll do it again. Like, whatever the odds. So I go back to school. I get my associate. I'm in this relationship still, right? I'm already kind of backing out of it. At this point, we were engaged. Mm -hmm. And um, there were a lot of red flags that I just realized weren't working for me anymore. I got accepted. I was coming down here and seeing uh, my friend Chloe. And we were going diving and stuff like that. And um, I fell in love with it. And I got accepted into FIU in Miami. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm in the process of saving money. And like, you know, getting everything set up. And I knew something was coming with her because she was not going to let me go easy. Mm-hmm. And I went to jail for five and a half years sober or clean. Like she was had me backed into a corner screaming at mm-hmm. me and I pushed her and I was like. And she called the cops? She called the cops. And because I work an honest program. Mm-hmm. You said, yeah, I pushed her. I said, yeah, I pushed her, you know. Wow. <laughs> And they were like, well, you just... Sometimes you got to lie. I know. Now I wish I would have. So I had to stay there 24 hours. I'm laying Mm -hmm. in Volusia County Jail at five and a half years clean. And I'm like, this is not... I'm clean. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you end up in jail clean? It's the craziest thing ever. 
I know that I've only heard of a few people having to go to jail clean and like it's a very weird mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, you're like doing the serenity prayer and all these right? things and right? you're in jail. My cellmate at the time, she was like losing it. She'd never, I think mm-hmm. that God put me in there. Oh, she had to never help been her. in jail? Never. So you were like, don't worry. I did it's this all fine. The time. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, it was like another home for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I go in front of the judge the mm-hmm. next day and they're like, the person is in fear for their life. You can't go back to the house. Mm. I'm like, that's my kid's home. All of my belongings are there, mm-hmm. you know? So let's talk about, hang on. Okay. You got your kid back. Yeah. When did your kid start living with you again? At about a year clean. Okay. Yeah, like nine months. That's awesome. How'd that feel? Good. Like a whole lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I had never not had her, but that was the first time that I'd had her clean. Thankfully, mm-hmm. she was only like four or five years old. Mm-hmm. So she was resilient. Yeah. You know, she doesn't remember me like that mm-hmm. at all. So. Okay. So you come out of jail. You can't stay at this house. Mm-hmm. So I go stay at my friend, all my friends, all male halfway. <laughs> Me and my kid, uh-huh. you know, got ate up by bed bugs. Wow. And I'm like, this they is... They had bed bugs? They had bed bugs. I was like, at the time, I think it was just my room. Yeah. Like, the whole place they didn't have bed... just put you in the bed bugs room? Uh, yeah. When it rains, it pours for me. Heavy. Damn. Five years clean. Just got to jail. Now you got bed bugs. Bed bugs. And I can't go home. You know, all my shit's there. And then to top it off, I call the cops. I'm like, I got to go get all my stuff. I'll get mm-hmm. a U-Haul. They're like, you have 15 minutes. What? To get all of your shit. Uh-huh. I was like, <laughs> bet. Right. Mm-hmm. No odds against me. So uh-huh. even if they are, I'm going to I'm gonna figure out a way around it. I get a U-Haul and I get like 20 people. She was in a different fellowship, mm-hmm. but everybody kind of knew what happened. Yeah. I packed all my shit in the U-Haul mm-hmm. and just came right down to South Florida. I had a mother-in-law suite. So that's how you came here? Mm-hmm. Wow. I had a mother-in-law suite set up because mm-hmm. I, I knew something was coming. I knew something like that was coming. It wasn't going to end well. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was prepared. And then you moved to South Florida I moved to South and South things Florida. have been great. So hang on, how do you fall in love with like diving and stuff? During COVID in 2020, I'd always loved, I was already in school to go be a marine biologist Mm -hmm. and COVID hit and I was just, everybody's stuck in the house, you Mm -hmm. know, and I'm like, I got to be outside. I need to be in the water. Mm -hmm. And so I downloaded Instagram and I started watching like all of these free divers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is that? So I go teach myself and I create, you know, like this Instagram profile and I taught myself how to free dive and it saved me. It saved me so many times. That's cool. It's my safe space. I can dive comfortably about 50 feet Mm -hmm. with no tank, nothing. Really? Yes. How long you hold your breath for? Probably like a minute because I vape. That's it? A minute? I Uh, thought you were going to say like four minutes. I know. I'm so embarrassed about it. Let's see right now who go do it longer. Yeah. (laughs) I think I could beat you. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, but you like, you bike, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And you run. I Your cardio is ridiculous. <laughs> I guess. I think, it's, I think it's better than most guys. Most guys like can't run a mile. I know. I tried but, that. I tried to um, start the running thing. I seen like oh, your. Yeah. yeah. I was like, to I'm going to do it. Just, you never no. got into it. You got to read Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. I can't get into something unless I read a book. Okay. So like I had learned, I like heard about jujitsu a couple of times. And it wasn't until I read um, Hicks and Gracie's book on like his life story. Okay. And then I read Worth Defending, which is another like one of the first black belts in yeah. in America. And I read those two books. I'm like, I need to like learn about it to respect it. So like with like recovery, like I liked going to meetings, but when I started to like learn about the history about like with the program, that's when I was like, oh, wow. You know, like I just fell in love with it. Yeah. And then with running, I used to run like three miles, four miles. And I thought that was like... Amazing. And mm-hmm. then, like, you read this book with, you know, David Goggins. This dude runs 100-mile races. I just listened oh. to this podcast. This dude, now he does 240-mile races. 
240 miles. So That's nonstop. Insane. So a hundred mile race usually takes like 24 hours. So yeah. it's 24 hours not sleeping, just running the whole time. Running? It's the craziest oh, are thing. Are they on crack? <laughs> I would hope so that they're doing something, yeah. but I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. It's insane to think about because I think I, I, the most I've ever ran was like a marathon. was like 26.2. Yeah. 26.2 miles. Yeah. I like walked like the last like seven, eight miles, like limped because like mm -hmm. my hip and my leg was just cramping and my hip was hurting me so bad. Oh no. So I couldn't imagine what your body feels like after a hundred. No. You know? So. No. You could definitely hold your breath longer than me. For sure. <laughs> we'll try it. Yeah. We'll I got to get you in the water first. <laughs> I just put my head in the sink. I'll figure it out. <laughs> no, but I think, I, I think I'm good at it. Yeah. I don't like the water though. I know. No. Such a shame. Hate the water. As a Scorpio. I like shooting guns. Okay. We should have been born like in separate places. In separate places. You know, oh, yeah, like you in the mountains. Guns and you should have been born here. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Guns and cars. Mm -hmm. That's really all I care about. Guns, cars, and jujitsu. Yeah. That's good okay, though. But it's good that you get a hobby because yes. I have so many sponsees that like, they're just like, they're clean and they're like working steps and they're going to meetings. They're just fucking miserable. Yeah. And it's like, and like they got some crazy ass girlfriend or some like, it's usually like you got some bullshit job that you hate and then you got like some fucking crazy girlfriend. And it's like, bro, like get a hobby. No purpose. Do something yeah. that's fucking fun. Something you look forward to. Like in recovery, I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to stop doing things. I have like sponsors that are trying to like stop gambling. And it's like, dude, that's great. But like, why don't you start something else? Exactly. So why don't you like start spending your time on something else because driving home like don't gamble don't gamble don't yeah. gamble is like fucking not gonna last no your mind still thinks gamble yeah, you gotta like do something else and it's like you know whether it's like running or like i do like uh just i'm back on 75 hard it's like a workout challenge yeah. or like something so it's like try to do something constructive because i know i'll like end up doing something destructive naturally yeah. you yep. know my destruction is in the dating world yeah it's been trash <laughs> that's your problem i know at least you don't gamble no, I know better. Like mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I remember having like the little like handheld like poker thing. Yeah. You know, I could not put that shit down. Really? I was an addict uh -huh. like young, mm -hmm. you know? So I know better. I know better than even go there. I hate gambling so much. If I lose $20, I'll be pissed. And if I win 200 like I won't care. I just want to like bet it all again. Yeah. I don't have the patience to really play. So I just go all in when I get bored mm -hmm. and then I lose and I just get pissed off. I gambled down here like once and I hit $100 oh, on really? Russian roulette and uh -huh. I just, I walked. I was like. Russian roulette? You mm -hmm. mean roulette? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Russian See, roulette I don't gamble. You kill yourself. <laughs> yeah. Blow your brains out right. with a revolver. That too. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what else is going on? So your goal, you're in school now? Yeah. So when I came down here, obviously, I didn't know anybody. My friend, Chloe and Pat, had told me about the 10. Oh, my God. So you're talking about Chloe and Pat? So yeah. wait, so they told you to come down here? Yes. I didn't yes. know you knew them. I, I was thinking that you I think we've had this I, conversation a long time ago. I was thinking that you knew them because that's yeah. the only people I know from Daytona. Because you grew up with Pat, right? Yeah. yeah. Not really. We got clean around the same time. Right. Right. The first time he got clean ever. But yeah. like, yeah, I love Pat. Pat is like forever. Like when you get clean with someone, it's mm -hmm. like family, you know? I know. I so know. like even though he hasn't stayed clean, he's doing good now. It's like, yeah, you know, you just have like, I have like that bond with him mm -hmm. forever, you know? Yeah. That's how me and Chloe has been. She's mm -hmm. she seen me relapse. Like everybody down here, mm -hmm. they don't know me like that. Yeah. You know, and she, it's been eight years now, just mm -hmm. like. It's the most toxic, loving relationship mm -hmm. in my life. We fight like hell. Wow. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's my yeah, dive she's buddy. Feisty. Oh, so she dies with you. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's crazy. How's yeah. she doing? She's. I was just at church with her this morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fire. Yeah. And the babies are good. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, because yeah. your kids got to be around his their age. Yeah, right? yeah. The oldest kid, we just lost his dad a few years back. So your oldest, his Chloe's, oh, Chloe's oldest. oldest. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, because the oldest has a has another dad, and um, mm-hmm. Nico, the youngest, is yeah. Pat's kid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this disease is crazy, man. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. So Chloe and Pat told me about the ten. So I start going oh, that's there. How you started going there. Oh, start uh, going there, and then eventually mm-hmm. Anthony P mm-hmm. comes up. And he asks me to do the speaker jam. Okay. And so I kind of get plugged in. So that's right? the first time you spoke and stuff? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so he um he kind of took me under his wing. Okay. You know, and Mr. N.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's your bestie. It is my bestie. Yep. Everyone doesn't think that it's like that. And that's mm-hmm. literally all that it is. Yeah. And thank God for him. He's actually my kid's godfather. Oh, that's cool. You know, like we just have that bond. He, I get a side of him that nobody else does, you know? Like what is it? Like his soft side. His soft side. Yeah. I can't put him out there like okay. that though. <laughs> he sucks his thumb at night. Yeah. <laughs> He's good to us. That's cool. You know what I mean? And he um he keeps me in check. He's very knowledgeable about this program. Yeah, I know. He's he loves the program. I know. He does. Mm-hmm. He does. And he he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, when they get into arguments in the in the um the meet not meetings, but the uh group conscious mm-hmm. or whatever, I'm like, they're like, Crystal, will you control him? Will you say something? I'm like, he's right. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, he really helped me get plugged, plugged in and in. involved. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bartender. Really? Do you hate that? You like I it? I do hate it. You hate it? Yeah. You How know, long have you been bartending for? Like a year. And I lied. I lied my ass off mm-hmm. getting into it. You're because, like, I know everything about bartending. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like serving. I was mm-hmm. doing, because it's hard to work and be a single parent with no help. Mm-hmm. Right. And go to college, go to Miami twice mm-hmm. a week. And, but I'm like, whatever, whatever the odds, once again, mm-hmm. I needed to be able to make money, like South Florida money. I know. It's expensive down here. And so I was like, well, I can, I'm serving money is okay. Um, I was in the hospital a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but bar, bartending money is where it's at, yeah. you know? And so I, I basically go into this restaurant and I tell them, I know you got problems in here. My drink knowledge is not that great. I got mm-hmm. a little experience, but you can teach me how to make a drink. You can't teach me character. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, you're hired. That's and cool. I just went in there and I didn't tell nobody that I didn't know anything and I just hustled. And you figured it out. I figured it out. Now so I'm now actually you, really good at good. it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. I have a sponsee who's got, I think he just celebrated 10 or 11 years and he's been bartending for years. And people have always been telling him, like, whatever. Like, some people think it's like not healthy yeah. or whatever. But, yeah. dude, he makes good money. I know. He's been doing it for years. I know. And now he, uh, he works at a, at a different restaurant that's mainly food, but he right. did bartend for years. Yeah, no. it can be trying at times, especially if you work in places that... I think, like, if you're, like, first getting clean, like, mm-hmm. first year and your drug of choice is alcohol, probably not a good probably idea. Probably not. No, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it mm-hmm. at all. But I just kind of see it as, like, a currency. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, this, is, sure. this is what I capitalize on. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get high on my supply. Yeah, there you, you go. Know? So and what's your goal at school? The 20-year goal. 20-year <laughs> goal? 20-year goal is we're going to shut down SeaWorld. Shut it down? Mm-hmm. We're going to go in with the cranes mm-hmm. and everything. My, and just uh, get them out of there? Yeah. The guy that died that I was close with, mm-hmm. we used to make plans. They were like, oh, I'll right. get this because he worked for this tree company. And mm-hmm. he was like, we'll get the, the cranes and everything. Oh, you wow. know? <laughs> so, but um, ultimately, I want to be involved in conservation. Okay. You know, so like there's a lot of problems out there in the ocean that people don't talk about or mm-hmm. they don't necessarily want to see. You you see like a, a dolphin get caught in a net or something like that. And they're like, oh, that's really sad. You know, let's change the channel. Or like the sad puppy commercials, you mm-hmm. know? And you don't realize that the ocean is, it's the foundation of everything. If our ocean dies, 
basically, obviously, the water will be there. But if mm -hmm. everything in the ocean dies, so do we. We're gone. It holds all of the carbon. It, mm -hmm. it, the reef itself is like the foundation of all life. You know what I mean? And it's dying. We get caught up in like the social aspects mm -hmm. of life and like money and all that. And like, like did you see Don't Look Up? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's basically what we're... What it is. Have you seen Seaspiracy? No, I've heard so many things about it. Homework. Homework. Yeah. You got to watch it. But wait, wait. So so I know it's like the ocean and mm -hmm. you got like the rainforest, like global yeah, warming. The, the rainforest is, it is a big deal, but... The ocean's the main part. It's the main, the main part. And there's so many different problems in it. It's not mm -hmm. just one. It's not just global warming. Mm -hmm. You know, like one of the biggest problems in the ocean is commercial fishing. Over, overfishing. Overfishing and um, nets. The nets, the damage that it's dredging. Do you mm -hmm. know what dredging is? It's when they like lay out the net and then sweep it, right? They um, just drag the bottom, you know, mm -hmm. just killing so much stuff along the way. The fishing game, believe it or not, is like a whole like underground industry. Mm -hmm. Like people, they rob people <laughs> to put them on boats to work. And like, it's like the drug game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People get killed every, because there's so much money in it. Mm -hmm. They just, they leave these nets out in the ocean and it just, it, it kills and like does so much damage to all these different creatures and or, like organisms and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But one of the main problems also is obviously the carbon, you know, people want to talk about how global warming is not a thing. Well, if you, if you look at the statistics, right, and this is the stuff that I go to school mm -hmm. for, the acidity in the ocean has raised throughout the years. So has the temperature. If that's not global warming, then what is? Mm, I have no idea. The ocean's literally warming up. Mm -hmm. And then when that happens, if you want me to get real nerdy for a Let's second. Yeah. Okay. So then coral is an animal. Yeah. Okay. So there's something called zooanthellae that are inside of it. Mm -hmm. Everybody pronounces it differently, but it's these little bitty organisms. And they live inside of the coral. It's, it's like a symbiotic relationship, mm -hmm. right? And so the coral and these animals basically... The coral catches things like as it moves and it eats, right? And as it eats, it compo like composites and, and I'm butchering it, but it when it poops, mm -hmm. I guess, or yeah. whatever, it builds the skeleton of the coral. Mm -hmm. Trying to keep it in layman's terms yeah. as much as I can. So then what happens, and it also has algae attached attached to it, right? And that's what gives it its color. Mm -hmm. And so then whenever the ocean gets too acidic or the temperature raises or whatever the case may be, these zooanthellae expel themselves from the coral, from the skeleton. And they leave. And they die. Okay. They die. The algae, all of it, all it's left behind is a skeleton, which is like a which is like a carbon composite. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it turns white. You gotcha. You know, there it's called bleaching. Mm -hmm. A lot of the coral out here is just it's it's done. Completely done. There's yeah, a, it's interesting when you like see the pictures where mm -hmm. it's like what like it used to look like like 30 mm -hmm. years ago and what it looks like now. In Australia, mm -hmm. you know, the Great Barrier Reef, they just had a massive bleaching event. And they say that by my kids' kids' generation, there's not going to be a reef. So what's the solution? Kill the fishermen? Stab okay. them in the face. Five months pregnant. There you go. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I went down this rabbit hole trying to like figure out 
how to not consume as much, you know, fish and poultry and stuff like that. Shouldn't we just focus more on how we're going to get to Mars? I mean, I I'm guess. Just messing with you. I guess. <laughs> we, you know, we know more maybe about. Maybe we're going about this the wrong way. We're just, instead of trying to save Earth, we should just try to get more. Get the people off of it. Yeah. Get, how are we going to get off of it? That's, I agree. What, that's what a lot of people are doing. I agree. I'll get real morbid with it. I say take <laughs> the people out and let oh, the ocean wow. thrive. So just kill everybody? Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that. There you go. Save the whales. <laughs> I mean, I think the solution is trying to be, you know, mindful. Don't mm -hmm. throw litter out the window. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like if you can use lesser resources, do that, you know? Okay. What about the straws? Is the straws it's bullshit? not. The straws are bullshit. It's bullshit. It's 0.0001% of the problem. Gotcha. What happened was a video went viral with the turtle with the, with the straw. With the straw. Yeah, and so like, yes, it does help. But think about... Grocery bags. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Grocery bags. Fisherman's nets is the main problem. Mm -hmm. The main problem. Fisherman's nets is the main problem. Mm -hmm. The plastic in the ocean. But, you know, obviously people litter on the beach. And, like, you got to think about one little mm -hmm. cup gets swallowed up in the belly of a whale. How many cups are they swallowing out there? Mm -hmm. You know, one person can go a long way if you just clean up after yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't take trash on the beach. You know, that's one solution. And they're also, they have, like, coral restorations. Okay. Where they're trying to grow and then replant. Mm -hmm. So, but I don't know. We'll see. Okay. You focus on that. I'll okay. try to get Mars. Go done. to Mars. Just get the people off the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because at the end of the day, Mother Nature will take over if, if we get past the tipping point. What if that's what Mars was? Like, what? what if we already ruined Mars and then we fled to Earth? Probably. And now we're trying to go back there yeah. after we already killed it. May don't, maybe we should go to a different planet. What? Which one? I don't know. Like the water planet, Uranus. Uranus? Right. <laughs> Is that a water planet? Is no, it? no, Neptune. Neptune? <laughs> Neptune's the water planet? Uranus just sounded better. I don't know why we can't just build something and throw it out there. You think we can? Yeah. Why don't we just send a whole bunch of stuff every day mm -hmm. and then we just put it together? Like they're building islands here. Right. Why right. don't we just send yeah. giant pieces of concrete or, or whatever? Fishermen. Yeah, from the fisherman's bones. And yeah. Yeah, that's what we should do. Is Have you ever your seen... bones will now become <laughs> the new earth. Have you ever seen the 100? No. No? They mm -hmm. basically live in like a spaceship that they sent. Yeah. Up. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's like yeah. a hotel. Like like we'll live on a like a cruise ship. Yes. In space. Yes. I think some people would like that. It's like a cruise ship. Yeah. You'd I'm... be okay with it? We're on a cruise ship that's like a ball right now. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is a matrix, right? I mean, I don't know if it's the matrix, <laughs> but um, hopefully we don't unplug after this. I know. Hey, well, thanks for coming on the show. Yes. I appreciate you. It was so nice finally getting to know you. Yes. And I uh, didn't know you were a superstar <laughs> and a celebrity. And, you know, you did great. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.